This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hello, welcome back to part two of this episode with my guest Fatima. If you haven't listened to part one, I highly suggest that you go listen to that one first because it just obviously is the precursor to this episode. So you'll be missing a lot of context. So go back to that episode, listen to part one, and then come back and listen to part two. In part one, Fatima and I talk about the struggles of just identity and accepting or rejecting our um, identity, our our deen, our religion, the type of things I think that go through young impressionable minds, like what 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 it was like when we were kids, and dealing with bullies, etc. Um, I think a lot of things that people can relate to. And on this episode, we talk about how as we grew older, as we matured, maybe some life experiences that we had, maybe some really um, impactful and positive influences that we had in our lives we were able to choose our deen as Fatma stated and start embracing who we are and our identity and celebrating that and so I hope you enjoy this episode as always thank you so much for tuning in I think the moment I realized that you know well there was two different points in my life that made me realize you know like or embrace being out of another moment of me embracing Islam. So growing up, like, of course, like I knew like the rules of Islam and, you know, what to do, how to practice, but it was just the rules. Like I didn't know anything more than what I was taught. You like know? it was just performative. It was just performative. It wasn't, I saw this one, I think I saw it on Instagram or somewhere. It's like, you can be Muslim, but you're not really Muslim until the moment you decide to be within yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that moment was I had a friend that passed away in high school, like right before senior year. We weren't really close or anything. We were a little bit closer in elementary school, but you know, like we kind of drifted away and as we got older, but she was the type of person that just, she didn't care about anything of what she didn't care what anyone thought of her you know like she just lived her own life did whatever she wanted like not not being oblivious to you know what people might say about her you know and when she passed away I was like oh my gosh like that could have been me that you know it was I guess it was like a flip of a switch moment and I was like how how can someone who lived their life unapologetically like how can I be more like that you know like and I learned even though like we weren't like super close or anything it really impacted me because it made me realize 
that how I was living wasn't really how I wanted to live. And that shift my perspective on Islam and it made me want to learn more about for myself, you know, like not just to be performative, like I wanted to actually know like the nitty gritty, you know, the history and everything behind it. And then that was when you got to kind of similar to what you mentioned earlier, but like got to choose being a Muslim. Yeah, like I think that's the moment when I, w- I wanted to be Muslim. And then eventually, like I started, like in high school, I would, um, like if anyone had any questions, but I realized that, okay, I, like, I remember like talking to you know, just inner dialogue. I was like, you know, I might be the only Muslim some of these people might ever meet in their entire lives. Mm-hmm. So what, what can I do to ensure that their per- perception isn't skewed? Mm-hmm. or isn't you know like bad. bad yeah yeah which unfortunately so many perspe- perspectives were and like um when my sister was in high school she would wear, she was a she would wear a hijab and this one guy ripped it off of her but because my sister is just so amazing and outstanding mashallah aleha she uh, that same guy at the end of the year he gifted her a hijab oh my god as a gift so yeah and it is, and, and that was around the time almost when my friend passed away, similar time timing. And I was like, well, look at, I literally learned a lot from my sister. And I was like, well, look what she's doing and how how she embraces Islam in that way and can change a per, just one person's perspective like that. So what can I do? That's awesome. I mean, you're very lucky to have a, a positive role model like that in your life. I'm so lucky. You know, when you were talking, I was kind of thinking about my, I was thinking about my journey and I've talked about it on the podcast before. And when I think back as like, what made me want to like, choose to be Muslim or what was it that, what would I say? Like what led me through that? Because I think everyone has a different reason. I was exhausted. Like I was so tired, like every day waking up and trying to figure out how to suppress who I am was exhausting also every day trying to rationalize cultural things that I thought was Islam that I didn't agree with was exhausting like I was so conflicted I was really I felt like I was kind of cornered into um or I was like in you know cornered and I had like nowhere to go and I felt like I need to make a choice because I actually had like I was like, like, I was like on a roller coaster with my Dean. There was points where I was like super on my Dean. And then there's points when I wasn't. And it was like you said, it was very performative and, or like, I just didn't do things, you know, like, oh, if my parents told me to get up and pray, like, I'm going to get up and pray. This was when I was younger, like in my teenage years, but I was so tired. I was tired of like putting in effort and everything felt like work. Everything was like confusing to me. And I realized like, I just need to research it and whatever feels good to me, like I want that to be my truth. And I just want to go with that. People accept it, people don't accept accept it. And then when I started researching and learning, especially like, I think most women, the first thing that they want to do when they like research Islam is like learn about women's rights. And like historically, the impact of women, the influence of women and how Islam, you know, during that time came and really changed um, the status of women. And that to me was like so enlightening because I would go to the masjid during Ramadan and I'd go during Jum'ah and like, you don't hear these stories. And it's not also the things that our parents really cover with us, unfortunately. You know, they cover with us like, you know, like um, 
you know, what you have to do for your parents, what you have to do to not go to hell, you know, you can't like boys, you can't um, do things. And they really, I think, focused on the stuff that served them well when it came to instilling cultural norms in us. So like if it, if it fit well with cultural norms and like, let's stick with this because that's an easier way for us to get them to um, really abide by the rules. Like, oh, well, if you don't do this, like you're gonna go to hell or if you don't do this, like Allah doesn't love you. And it was, it's kind of manipulative to be honest. And I don't think that our parents chose to be manipulative, but I think that that's just what they knew. And again, it's this whole idea of they're here, they're fearful, they're not sure. But when I started researching and then just like subhanAllah, like you get this sense of peace within you. I think when you capture that, that is the key to not giving an F about what other people think. Obviously like age and everything, but when you're like, when you're like, this is, feels good to me and I'm at peace, things can still hurt and sting, but like you can still go to sleep at peace. You can still wake up the the next morning and feel good about yourself and say, I'm still going to go to school. I'm still going to you know, live my life. But when you have that void within you and you don't have that connection, that's, I think, why we grow up so fearful and like the taunting and all of that stuff. Because we don't, I remember for me, like I was always scared because I never knew how to defend my own deen because I didn't know my own deen. So when people would say, oh, you guys like do this to women or you guys do that. And I was like, that's probably true because I didn't know otherwise. So how am I supposed to defend it? And then I felt bad and I'm like, damn, that's a kind of a crappy religion if you ask me like if this is true it's like subhanallah like and it's true when they say that like education is life-changing like when you or knowledge I shouldn't say education but like just knowledge of things is life-changing and that's like really what pushed me towards that exploration and you know choosing Islam was just feeling like I was so exhausted and burnt out with like how I was essentially faking life or like so confused and lost and alhamdulillah, like no one's perfect. And even till today, we still struggle with things, but I am so much more content than I was, you know, when I was in my teenagers. It's that backing into the corner that, you know, really like sparks that interest. Like after that friend of mine died, I, I felt like I was backed into a corner. I was like, I don't know. I mean, I know about Islam, but what do I really know? Because it seemed like nothing because everything was mixed up with culture. And there was things about culture that I just hated. And I didn't know how to like, I would tie that to Islam and it was just so mixed up and confused. And I wanted to be able to answer questions. I wanted to be able, if people had questions about Mm -hmm. Islam, I wanted to be able to answer them. You know, I wanted to share, you know, we're not terrorists just because we dress a certain way or we look a certain way. I just wanted people to know that if they had a question that I can be there to answer it. And I, at first, you know, I couldn't answer their questions. So I was like, you know what, I need to do this. I need to research on it. I need, I need to learn. And like you said, like the first things that I Googled were, you know, women's rights in Islam. You know, what, <laughs> I remember Googling things like, what does, what does Islam say about this? Or what does Islam say about that? You know, because I didn't know. And I would, and I'm, I feel like I'm still in this process of learning because there's still things that I don't know or I, I don't fully understand. I just want to continue learning that. You know? Yeah. Also, when I think back as a kid, one of the things that I think makes you a target for bullying um, sometimes can be the vulnerability you have. Like bullies always look for the weakest person or someone that they know that they can just say even the smallest thing and they can like have impact on them. And so when they see us super vulnerable and like insecure about our own culture or religion, they see 
it's like it's like a, an animal in the wild, like looking for their prey. You know, they can smell fear. And I think in a lot of ways, when you are more confident in your dean or your culture, or like you grew up in an environment where that was nurtured and you really embraced who you were, it's very hard for you. You're strong and like stand firm in like who you are. It's very hard for people to come knock you down. I think for a lot of us, we didn't have that foundation. Like we were brought into this country with parents who one didn't want to really assimilate or, or, or adapt or maybe even knew how, but put us in situations where we were forced to because we would grow up around nothing but non-Muslims or non-Arabs, right? And so our whole like self-identity was super fragile. So of course, when someone comes and calls you a terrorist or says, oh, you guys do this or your food smells or whatever, you're going to immediately be like, oh my God, like how I'm so insecure about this. And I realized that when you, when you, you know, I came later in life and I'm sure for you too, like in my teenage years, when I started becoming more confident and educating myself that like, I was like, I could stand up to my bullies. Like no one's going to say something to me without me being able to like talk back and defend myself. Um, But when you're young, you don't have that. And I don't know about you, but like, I always felt like I was living a double life because when I was at school, it was super American, super Western, right? Like you talk about Lizzie McGuire. That was like my thing when I was in school. I don't remember you probably, were you even born during that era of Lizzie McGuire? I remember it. Okay. When I was really young. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> so that was kind of my thing. And like, you know, Disney and just like the late nineties, early two thousands vibes, like at school, you wanted to really embrace that and like live up to that culture. But then you go home and the first thing you do is like, I take off my shoes before I go home. My mom tells me you need to go catch up on your salah. A lot of us like change back into like our Yemeni gelabi or like robe for the house. We pray, you come home and all you smell is like lahm and like marak and, or like kahwa or coffee. And you know, the house smells like bahur. You're probably sitting and eating on the floor with your hands in like a shared setting. Whereas at school, like you have your own plate and you're eating with a fork and a knife. And like, it really was like day and night going to school and then coming home. And I get, I guess the problem lies in that I couldn't embrace both. I didn't know how to say like, this is cool. And this is cool because now a lot of white people and like West, the Western culture really comes and kind of takes things that we grew up really insecure about and makes it cool. So like eating with your hands can be seen as cool you know, doing a lot of um, like henna, henna seen as cool, whereas you were sitting there wearing a jacket to cover it up because you didn't want to be interrogated by it. Did you ever feel like that you had to be one or the other? Like, okay, I have to be Western or, you know, oh no, I have to stick with my Arab identity. You know, were you ever, were you ever able to like embrace parts of both? Or like, were you ever able to find like solidarity? Back then? I mean, I mean, now I embrace kind of both, but I felt like I still had to, it was like a switch. When I was at school, I had to turn one switch off or like, I, let's not call it a switch, let's call it a dimmer. Cause you can't, compl- I can't completely turn off that I'm Muslim, especially in high school, I was wearing the hijab, but it's like you dim one part of you and like brighten up the other one. And it literally was like natural to me. I like, if you had a, like a hallway and each room was you know, Muslim in Yemeni or Muslim in Arab and then like Western or whatever, I could walk in into any and like I would honor, I was like a chameleon, I could just adapt, you know, my language, the way I talked, what I knew I would be able to say what I thought was a good topic of conversation was so different when I was around one group of people. And this was like something I feel like I learned at like 
going into junior high, you know, it was, again, that exhaustion maybe came from that. I still do it today, but there's no real insecurity underneath it. Before it was an insecurity. So I was like nervous because I'm like making sure I don't look one way or the other. Because even around the Yemeni community, the Yemeni community can be very judgmental. The Muslim, Arab, Yemeni, whatever you want to call it, can be judgmental. You wear something a certain way and someone's like, oh, like, why are you dressed that way? Why are you, you know, why is your hair showing? You know, you're older, you shouldn't be, you know, wearing jeans like this. You should wear longer shirts. And like, just constantly being told how you're not a good Muslim as a woman, I think we all experienced that was not a fun experience in itself. So you're just like on pins and needles wherever you go. That was just super tiring. But obviously now as an adult, I'm like super more comfortable. And even as I like grow older, I'm still readjusting and understanding like, what am I comfortable with? What am I not? And sometimes I have more conservative views. Sometimes I don't, it just really depends. But I think my mindset is in a more healthy place that when I'm making those choices, it's for me and not for other people. I think for me, like growing up in school, like it was honestly like a switch, like, like at home, you know, like I was like, I, I'm Arab, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm Muslim, but like at at school, like, oh yeah, did you watch the newest episode of, you know, this show? Yeah. Like it was like, a, it was like a total switch. And there was, I feel like there at times, like I was so oblivious to remarks that people like I had no idea like like I, this one kid like in middle school like every time he would be near me he would make ticking noises and I thought like I can't make this that like I thought oh, to man. myself oh my gosh like Miss Bean poor kid he has Tourette's like well I thought this and then at the end of the year I found out he was just bomb <laughs> he yeah he was making bomb noises the whole time but subhanallah like I was so unaffected by that and just I just didn't care you know because I didn't know and um, I think that when I got older, I tried to like, well, I'm still like, you know, getting older, you know, I'm still <laughs> trying to figure things out. But yeah. I think that like, I, I like to mix the two, you know, like, between like my, my Western identity and like my Middle Eastern side, you know, like, I feel like growing up, I tried to like, it was kind of like magnets to me, like it just repelled them. Like, I didn't think that, you know, they can coexist or anything. But now like, you know, I, I feel like they're growing together. Well, the thing good is, is, that is who you are. Like, you can try to change it as much as you want. Like, that's that's literally who you are. And uh, you can choose from today to be Fatima, who completely disregards part of your life and only embraces one. And you can change, you know, what your life could look like in the future by, be, you know, embracing one or the other or choosing to, you know, move to Yemen or stay here. But like, distance yourself from like community family whatever like but that is who you are you know you are both Yemeni and American and Muslim and a woman and all of those things can come together but the unique thing is is like you and I are similar the the biggest difference I mean there's there's differences but like other than like an age difference and the fact that like you live in a different part of the country we are both you know women we are both Yemeni we're both Muslim and we are both American And yet we're still going to have different ratios of how we cut, like slice up our pie of identity. Like maybe I identify more as Western than you do, or maybe I identify more as Yemeni. You know, maybe growing up in Yemen had that kind of influence on me, but I'm not like a super Western person who just embraces this part of me and not the other part of me. I think when I grew up, 
I was so rejective of Yemeni culture. Like I didn't want to do, I didn't want nothing to do with it. Like mm-hmm. at all. Like I was, I'm a Western girl. What are you talking about? Like I, I, <laughs> I didn't want to deal with it. But now like, I am so like, I love Yemeni culture so much now. Like I love like the music, the food, you know, the dances, you know, the, the, the style, everything about it. I just, do you- I don't know what, what changed in that, but now like, and then now I, just, I find myself trying to connect with other people who are are similar to me or like, like I find so many Instagram pages of like Yemeni artists and Yemeni photographers and painters and architects and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, like, look what they're doing. Like, that's so mm-hmm. amazing. Like, mashallah, you know? I think it's also because for a long time, we thought that like Yemenis weren't really known for anything other than owning stores and businesses and the woman getting married and you know doing just having kids and so that's not the lifestyle you live you're like well how am I going to be really inspired or fit into that community um are your are is your family more of the type that's like you have to marry you or your sister would have to marry like a Yemeni or are they just more like on the like on the religious side at first they were like Yemeni like 100 percent the Yemeni and then like, you know, as we got older, my mom would say stuff like, you know, she's like, oh, you guys are, you know, getting older, you know, you need to get married. So she would say stuff like, <laughs> as long as they're Muslim, that's all that matters. It's just as long as they're Muslim. Yeah. And then eventually, like my sister married someone who was non-Yemeni, which but they, they were Muslim. So that's the winner winner chicken dinner. She really and is just paving the way for you. She really is like, <laughs> that's my girl. <laughs> and um how, how much older I think, is she to you like what's the age difference she's three years older oh so that's not even that much older my oldest like, sister she, like the one before me is seven years wow yeah a older mm-hmm. did she pave the way for you she did and my older sister who's older than her so she's seven eight nine so one is nine years older one is seven years because there's two boys between us so that's why like there's a gap and then me and my younger sister were the two babies of the family there's a seven year difference between her and I so it's I you know that's a blessing it is it's such a blessing and I think on my um mom's side of the family it was the first time ever where someone had married a non-Yemeni and that was like huge and of course you know like back home there's always gonna be people that are talking and like <laughs> not happy about it you know but at the, I remember my grandma saying um, something like, at the end of the day, if that's who she wants to marry, then, you know, what God has willed, it's willed, you know? Yeah, I think that's one of the things I'm really happy about is that that's really becoming more acceptable. I think, like, even 10 years ago, it was, like, still more taboo. And my sister married a Palestinian. And I remember around that time, it was just still kind of like, how, how did your parents like agree to her marrying a Palestinian? And it was still weird, which, whereas today it's not even really looked at. It's just like, oh, cool. Okay. You know, Alhamdulillah, like our communities are a lot more integrated. I think before it was just because who, who did you know that was not Yemeni? Yeah. You know, you only really stuck with the people that you knew. And only now is it that like you, you have more of a, a diverse, but also like with social media and like how this world feels small, people are getting to know each other without even like meeting face-to-face initially. And that's kind of how, you know, they're able to like get out of their own like little bubble or whatever. As, yeah, I was just gonna say like, I had thought that it was haram to marry like a non-Yemeni. Like I thought like, <laughs> not haram, like I thought like you had to marry within your country. 
I didn't you know, know there's people that still try to justify that there are people that try to justify really? that yeah they'll they'll use some sort of hadith where it says like you know it's it's recommended or some something like that I don't know I don't really listen to it because I mean Allah I'm not like uh I don't have all the hadiths memorized but I think people also don't really do their research and see if there's a strong hadith or a weak hadith but at the end we know that it's made halal and that like it's you know nothing wrong with marrying outside of your culture ethnic even ethnic group because like I think for the most part Yemenis are still marrying with other Arab and it's like not really outside of like the Arab culture like that's even more rare um so it's just like, yeah, it's it's interesting, but things are changing. Um, so I'm gonna just jump into my favorite part of the episode, which is the closing questions. I do this with every host and they're really interesting questions to me. And so I like to ask people about them in no particular order because I don't have them written down. So I'm just going off of memory, but um, what is the best advice that you've ever received? That's a good question. I think, um... I think for me, the best advice I ever received was from my sister who had told me, I think we mentioned it a little briefly earlier, that you are your greatest advocate. You shouldn't like, you can't just wait around and expect things to happen. Like if you want to learn more about Islam, then you have to take that initiative yourself. If if you feel like that, you know, your voice isn't being heard, then you need to speak up and you need to express, you know, what you're feeling and don't just don't wait around for things to happen you know just just do it yeah and don't have expectations expectations that someone else is going to do it for you so right wise sister mashallah um and then the second one is like what's your favorite quote or saying if you have one a quote that i um can um, think of that i do really like maybe it's not my favorite but i really do like it it's um it says it said something like, find the khayr in everything. You know, there's there's, there's goodness in everything. Even though you might not see it now, maybe you can later. Yeah, that's a very positive mindset to have. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite book slash or movie if you're not much of a reader, but like what would you say is your favorite book that you would recommend to the listeners? Can I give two books? Yeah. Well, the first book is The Alchemist by, mm-hmm. I think, I think, Pablo, I forgot his last name, but it is an amazing book. And I think it helps you discover like belonging. And I really just love that book. My name's in the book. And like, that was the first time (laughs) I saw my name anywhere. And I was like, whoa, like, I really did love that book. And then the second book is A Thousand Splendid Sons. Mm -hmm. Favorite book, favorite, just such a beautiful, well-written book. But only read it if you want to cry. I listened to the audio book. It's very emotional. It is so emotional, but yeah. you'll love it. It's a great book. Um, what is your favorite or current favorite self-care item or like routine or um, practice? Like something you do that's like, uh, I need me time. Like, what do you do to take care of yourself and your heart? Honestly, it would probably be like my skincare routine. Like it just brings yes. me like, Routine is it. so important to have, like, and like repetition of routine is so key. Mm-hmm. Like, having that set of time every single day is just so peaceful and relaxing. It I love really it. Is. You know, sometimes when I travel, 
it makes me like a little uncomfortable because I feel like I can't have access to like all my products and I can't do the same thing. And it's like, I simplify my routine. Like I keep it to the basics, but I do miss it. And then when I get back, I'm just like so excited to be able to go through my whole process. And it's not necessarily about the products. Like obviously I love skincare, but it's the feeling you get. And like, I really much am about like, you know, the ambiance and the atmosphere and it like just helps get you ready for bed. Like, you know, getting to like nice pajamas, like putting your hair up, doing it. And then like, you just feel so good. I don't know if you put music on, I'll put like a YouTube video or like a podcast on. Just so nice. It is I so nice. You. And it, when I read somewhere, I don't know how accurate it is, but like, if you have a set routine every night, you're more likely to fall asleep or you're, you'll have an easier time falling asleep. Probably. I, I don't know. Like, lot. I do. I, I sleep a lot. Sleep. Me too. And if that means I have to go to sleep earlier then I do, it's just now Aisha's like really late. And yeah. I'm like, I do my skincare. I do everything. I'm like ready for bed. And I'm just sitting there. Like I have my wudu. And I'm just waiting for the event so I can get up and pray and then go to sleep. And I'm just going to be like that pretty much all summer. But when I'm not praying, like right now I'm not praying. Oh my God. It's like, I can go to sleep whenever I want. Like I can get ready for bed and just lay in bed and like be on my phone and then just knock out and, you know, alhamdulillah, it's a nice break. Um, And then the last question is what advice would you give to your younger self? Wow. Such a great question. I think I would say something like, no one's think no one's thinking about it as much as you are like no one cares as much as you think other people are caring you know like true no one's like you know looking back no one's gonna think something like oh you know like she was wearing these shoes or oh you know like she fell down on this day like no one cares no one's people get over it you you are your biggest critic at times but you can also be your greatest supporter yeah, exactly. I love that. Well, thank you, Fatima, so much. I really enjoyed this episode. Mashallah, like for your age, like it's such a great conversation and like insight. And I loved it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was so nice to meet you. You're just, mashallah, such a well, amazing, well-rounded person, like <laughs> an inspiration, really. Uh, thank you. Well, I'm glad to have had you on the platform so that now you can also be an inspiration inshallah for other girls especially because so many are probably experiencing what you're ex- what you experienced right now um so you know the more the merrier you know the more that we can share the merrier so thank you for sharing yeah of course awesome. and thank you again for having me thank you okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.